Welcome to Holy Savior Sermons, bringing you the weekend sermons given at Holy Savior Church. Well, this morning we're going to wrap up our September series, How to Read the Bible. And again, as we've been going through this series, you know, we've been talking about as we read Scripture, that we're doing more than just filling our heads with information, you know, historical, sociological information, but we're reading God's Word, we're reading the Bible, the Scriptures, so that we are transformed through these words. So as we've done that, you know, in this series, we've given a few very practical ways, methods of studying the Bible. The first method we talked about was the hand. How many, do you guys remember the hand? How many remember all five parts, six parts? That's all right. That's why we review, because it'd be a great opportunity for you to say, oh, yeah, that's what it means. And what you're going to find, there's, there's a lot of similarities, you know, with these different methods. And we're giving you three, you know, for this series. There's all kinds of different methods you can look at for that. When we talk about that, the first one with the hand is to hear. The value of us hearing God's Word. That we hear God's Word often in the context of here on Sunday mornings. We hear it, read it together, and we, we walk through it through the sermon time together. And then we talk about hearing God's Word. Then we talk about reading God's Word. And the value of reading God's Word, that, that we read it out loud. I mean, we do that here in worship. We read it out loud. But we encourage you, you know, that as your time in the Word, your time studying the Bible, reading the Bible, that you would read it out loud. Now, if you're at a coffee shop, maybe you don't read it out loud. But a lot of us, you know, we're home, you know, either in the morning or maybe later in the evening, that you read it out loud because it involves more of our senses. So we're seeing it and reading it and speaking it and hearing it. So we hear, we read, and then we meditate on that Word. And meditate means that, you know, we're kind of, we're going to wrestle with that text. We're going to reflect on what it says to us. We're going to say that, Lord, if your word, this is our theme verse, by the way, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path, that, you know, it's got to be something that becomes part of my life. So I'm going to wrestle with this text because, again, we're not just looking to gain information. We're looking for God to engage us through his word, that God speaks to us even today. Whatever situation you're in right now, God is speaking to you through his word, even through the words that we read together today from Luke 15. So we hear, we read, we meditate, and then we study. And now when we talk about study here, it, yes, we are gaining information. We're not doing it just to gain information. We don't have a test to pass. But rather, we're trying to understand the whole context of what we're reading. We're trying to understand maybe some of the cultural, you know, you know elements that, that we don't always pick up in English translation that make us go, oh, well, that's interesting. You know, that we, we study it so that we dig in a little bit deeper. So we hear, we read, we meditate, we study, and then we memorize. We talked about the value of memorizing Scripture. That if you memorize, that's why we have a theme verse a lot of times for our sermon series, is hopefully that's one you're going to memorize. If not from rote memory, at least functionally memorize. Because our, tech, our theme verse, again, is what? Psalm 119, verse 105 is, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. That memorizing it gives us that scripture that we carry with us if we don't have our Bible or our phone, you know, and some Bible app with us. So whether it's speaking to our current situation, whatever you've got going on in your life, or maybe to a coworker, a neighbor, a family, a classmate, even to a complete stranger, you can say, you know, God's word says, the Bible says, Jesus says this. And so the value in memorizing. So we have hear, read, study, meditate memorize, and then in the poem we talked about applying. Because again, we're talking about transformation. 
about God's Word transforming us. God's Word shaping us, shaping our attitude and our actions. So we talked about the hand, then we talked about soap. You know, again, you're going to find similarities here. Soap was study, observe, apply, and pray. And so, again, we talked about, you know, look, reading and studying and wrestling with God's Word and, and maybe reading multiple translations and maybe taking the text like the text we had this morning and maybe you read that over the course of the whole week. That's the only text you're going to focus in on. Or maybe you're going through the Gospel of Luke and that's just one of many texts that you'll work on as you work through the Gospel of Luke over the course of weeks or even months. So as we do that, again, our theme verse, and we're going to say this verse out loud because I think there's value, again, in us speaking and reading these words. Let's read this together. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. Let's go to our Lord in prayer. Lord Jesus, we give you thanks for the gift of your word, for the Bible, for the, the words that you spoke while you walked on this earth to those Words spoken by our God in the events of the lives of the people thousands of years ago that still speak to us today. They are your words of comfort, your words that, that challenge us, your words that inspire us and move us and change us. And we pray, Lord, that just as you promised, your word will not return to you empty, but you will accomplish what you desire. We pray this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. So again, we talk about God transforming us, you know, through that word. We, we focus a lot on, like, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. We are saved by grace, you know, not account of anything we have done. It, it's all, you know, God's credit. But God, in verse 10, talks about what we are his workmanship. We are his masterpiece, and he's working on us through his word. Okay, so we talked about the hand. you remember what they are now? Hear, read, meditate, study, memorize, apply. And then soap, study, observe, apply, prayer. Now we're going to do one that I kind of think sounds more like a pirate. Because what does a pirate say? R, yeah, yeah. Okay, enough of the corniness. You know, it's R. These are, there are four R's to this method of studying. And you're going to find overlaps to the two other methods. Well, these four other methods, the first R, can you guess what it is? Reads, you guys are getting this. This is awesome. Is to read the scriptures. It's kind of hard to, you know, read the Bible if you don't what? Read the Bible. Yeah, this is kind of practical. So, you know, we, we got to read the Bible. Now, of course, if you're driving down the road, going to work, and you're going to do some kind of reflection on scripture there, please don't read. That's not safe. I've seen people do that, you know, like driving down, reading the newspaper while they're driving. That is just crazy, rush hour traffic. Or people putting on makeup or shaving, things like that. If you're going to do that, that's a good time to put it on a podcast, have it on your phone, Bluetooth, you know, listen to the Scripture. Don't read it. But then again, th that we read it. And again, I encourage you, read multiple translations. Whether you've got a stack of, you know, hard copy Bibles that you look through, or whether you go to your Bible app or somewhere online, a Bible gateway, you version, the number of different ones that are out there, and Read a number of translations, because sometimes when we read a different translation, it's just a little subtle change in a word or the, the image that it creates that makes us go, ooh, that's interesting. And then I, I like to read even some of the paraphrases, though those are not translations, 
you know, uh, usually a paraphrase, like the message is a paraphrase, is not as close to the original language. But even sometimes I read those and I think, ooh, I like the way they say that. And I can have a better understanding with a translation, but the way they say that makes it more human, more real to, you know, the way that I can think about it. And that actually, I read the message for this Gospel of Luke that we read just a little earlier, and there's some neat little images that kind of come from that. But that we read it, we, we read it out loud, we, we read it again. Again, if you took this text from Luke 15, 8, 9, and 10, and you spent the entire week just reading through that, different translations, and taking notes, and reflecting, and thinking about that, wow, that, that's just a great way to kind of make that part of your life. And again, God begins to shape us through his word. So we're doing more than just checking the box. I read the Bible, but yet I say, I talk with God and God talked with me. And God's word is working in me to shape me. So we, we read. We read. We reflect. Again, like, you know, observe and, and wrestle through that text and meditate on that text. We reflect. We, we ask questions when we reflect. Questions like, you know, what is God saying to me here? What is the law? What is God commanding me here? What is the principle that God wants me to follow, that he's calling me to follow? What is a promise that God has for me here? What is the gospel, the good news that God has for me as I read this text? So we read, we reflect. Now, again, we, we do more than just ask those questions. The idea is to say, well, I prayed, God said that, and then walk away. We want it to work in our lives. So we read, we reflect, we respond. So that becomes kind of the next question. Okay, God, so if this is what your word says, and maybe it's law, you know, and you realize God is, is, is telling me I shouldn't have this attitude anymore. Okay, so my response has got to be to change my attitude. And, and so I, I know that's the attitude. I've got, got to make a change in my attitude. Or, you know, I've, I've been stingy. I've not been generous. And, and God is calling me to be generous as I read this portion of Scripture. And so the response is not just, okay, well, that's nice, but to actually say, how will I live this out? And begin making it part of our lives. We read, we reflect, we respond. And then the fourth one is we request. Prayer. We go to God in prayer. And, and this here, again, we would encourage you to do when you pray this, is you can have all the other prayers for things you may pray for, people who are sick and, you know, challenges and tests and, you know, whatever else you might add to your prayer list. But also take what you're studying and, and make that part of a prayer. It's a great way to kind of help you think through and process that as you converse with God in that text. And you don't have to be a pastor to have some profound, big, you know, words. You don't need big, churchy, jargon words to have a prayer with God. It can be something very simple, very straightforward. You know, a few weeks ago, we went through Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. And it can be something, something as simple as, Lord, I thank you that you my shepherd. Maybe that's all that you say. Maybe that's right now, that's what speaks to your heart. Maybe you say, Lord, I thank you that you're my shepherd and, and help me to see how you are guiding me and caring for me. And so you just make that a very personal prayer. It doesn't have to be, again, big flowery language. It's real. It's if Jesus was sitting there with you, you know, talking with you and conversing with you in this prayer. All right. So as we do that, now we're going to kind of get into this text, Luke 15, because again, this is hopefully very practical. Let's walk through this and let's reuse the four R's. Remember what the four R's are? Read, reflect, respond, request. See, that's probably the easiest one, right? Four R's. But okay, so we're going to read this again. And so get ready. 
This is going to be just like we read just a few moments earlier, but let's do this out loud again from Luke 15, verses 8, 9, and 10. Suppose a woman has ten coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and look for the coin carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Let's celebrate. I found the coin that I lost. So I can guarantee that God's angels are happy about one person who turns to God and changes the way he thinks and acts. So, you know, so we have this image here of this woman who is, is looking, right, for her, her lost coin. So we talk about reading. Again, we've talked about this in the other two methods of studying the Bible. We want to do more than hopefully just read. We, we want to kind of maybe dig in to find out a little bit more of the context. So what are the verses and the events surrounding these words of Jesus here? And is there something, you know, with a commentary or something that we kind of dig in and learn a little bit more, even about these few words of Jesus, about culturally, you know, what's going on here? So let's step back a little bit into the context. The, the, the verses that kind of kick off you know, these words of Jesus are because this parable is part of two other parables. There's three parables where Jesus talks about the lost. There's the lost sheep, you know, and the shepherd who leaves the 99 to go search for the one missing sheep. There's the lost son or the prodigal son, and the father doesn't search for his son, but the father is looking and waiting and longing for his son to come home and, and welcomes him home. And then here, you know, we have this woman who's looking for this coin. So let's read together from Luke 15, 1 and 2, the context that we have here. All the tax collectors and sinners came to listen to Jesus. Let's stop there for just a moment. So, okay, who's part of this event here? Who are the characters involved? Tax collectors, sinners, and Jesus. Okay, so tax, tax collectors and sinners, you know, sinners, big kind of overarching word for anybody that was not good enough religiously. Tax collectors, they're about the same. You know, they were considered socially uh, because they worked for the Romans, you know, and so they were kind of betrayers, and they tend to skim off the top and make money. They didn't like it. And they're coming to listen to Jesus. These are the kind of people that Jesus is attracting. Those that society said were not worthy, who had no value. Let's continue reading. Could you hit the next slide for me because it's stuck? That would be awesome. Thank you. But the Pharisees and the experts in Moses' teachings complain. This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Okay, so really quick, step back here, ask some questions. This is, again, we're reading and thinking of the context here. Who is part of the audience here? Pharisees and the experts of Moses' teachings. And they say these words here. This man, who is this man? Jesus welcomes sinners and eats with them. So again, what we see is that these are part of the folks who sit on a hierarchical system and looking down and saying, these people down here have little to no value. They're not worthy. And Jesus is eating with them. And again, culturally that meant that if he was eating with them, if he's hanging out with them, that he's, he's like them. That because they're dirty, they're spiritually you know, unclean, that now he's unclean. And so then Jesus gives them three stories. Three great stories about value, the value that God places on us. 
And it's important to understand, too, that as we, often as we read the parables, the parables really are God is the one that is involved here. So we have in the parable of the lost son, the prodigal son, you know, who plays the role of God? The father does, right? The father who welcomes home his lost son. And then there's the parable of the sheep, right? There's 99 sheep, one sheep is missing, and there's the shepherd. And who is the shepherd? Yeah, God is the shepherd, right? God is the one who's going out to look for that one lost sheep. And, and you got the beautiful image of that sheep being scooped up in the shepherd's arms and being carried home and being loved, and, and they celebrate. And now we have this great image of God as what? As, as a woman. God has no gender, by the way. But this image of God as a woman who, you know, this woman who's scouring and looking for this lost coin. So again, that tells you a number of things. And let's, again, look at the context here. This is a woman probably living in some small house, and she's lost a coin. She lost a, a, a drachma in the Greek language, so that'd be about a day's wage. So here in Nebraska, you know, if you kind of take the median household income, a day's wage is about $209. I don't know where you're at on that scale, but, you know, that's kind of the, the median. $209. So not a whole lot, Right? You know, but enough. I mean, I don't know about you. If I lost $209, I'd turn my house upside down to find it. I turned my suitcase upside down trying to find some money when I was traveling this past week because I couldn't figure out where I stuck it at. I'm like, I lost it. Oh, no. I found it. Yes. But, you know, she turns her house upside down looking for this lost coin. Some other things to, to understand, though, the, the coins were uncommon within the setting that this story is told. This woman and, and her community, the village she lived in, they would have been a self-supporting village. You know, there, there would have been a baker. There would have been other craftsmen. And so they would, you know, make their products and sell and trade their, their ware. So this coin is probably something more than just a day's wage. I mean, how many of you ever lost something more than just, you know, something, but you lost something that maybe had more than monetary value? It had sentimental value. Any guys ever lose your wedding ring? Only reason I say this is because you probably think, i got to find it or I'm in big trouble. But she's lost something, and there's a good possibility that what she lost was her dowry. It could have been something that maybe was given to her by her husband, and now she is a widow, and this is all that she has left. And she's lost this one coin. So again, you know, this is great, and you read that, and say, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. You know, I'd turn my house upside down. If I was looking for $100, $200, or my wedding ring, or my passport, or whatever else you're missing. But this is where I thought, like, the, to me, the message was really helpful in, in reading this and understanding the context. Because the image that the, the message creates here is this idea of this woman scouring. So again, she lives in this little small house. There's probably small slits you know, for windows, if there's even maybe something a little bit bigger. So there's a little bit of natural light coming in, but it's kind of dark. So she lights a lamp, right? This is an oil lamp, and she's looking. She's, she's sweeping her house, and she's scouring on the floor looking for this lost coin, going back and forth, hoping to find this hard yet dusty ground, her one coin. You know, the, the value of oil for a woman like this, because this is something you'd only lit at night usually, you know, when there was no lights to turn on. And she's looking all over for this light. Now, again, in this context, in this story that Jesus tells, you know, there was the shepherd 
which shows us God surging. There was the Father, which shows us, you know, God welcoming. And here is now this woman. What is she doing? She's searching. She's, I love the words that the message uses. She's scouring. Look at her. She's on the dirt floor. And this is to remind us of who? Of God. Do you ever think about God that way? The God, the God of the universe scouring on the floor, looking for that one lost coin. That tells us a number of things. One, God knows he's missing that coin. And the coin, of course, is who? Yes, it's you, it's me, it's all of us. The God, the God of the universe would scour around and he would look for that one lost coin. He is willing to do everything and anything to find you. We begin to see as we, we, we pull this text apart and we read it in a number of different translations and maybe a paraphrase, as we read some of the background information to the text, begin to say, wow. Wow, what Jesus is saying to those who are gathered there. Again, who is gathered there and who are these stories? There's, there's, yeah, there's basically two groups. There was sinners and tax collectors who didn't feel valued, and then there were those who thought yeah, they are valued and those others are not valued, the Pharisees and the teachers of Moses' law. And here Jesus creates this picture of God like a woman on her knees searching the dirt, looking for a lost coin. That God values you. And of course, what does she do when she finds the coin? Yeah, she celebrates. She has a party, you know. Look, I found it. And again, to show you that value that God is saying, look, when one is found, when that which was missing, you want to understand the value it has, but then God and all of his angels, they do what? They celebrate. They have a party. There's a celebration going on for each and every one of us. For you. God and his angels celebrate. Now, okay. Again, we have the four R's, right? right? We read it. You know, so we, we've read this and we've looked at the, the context and, and some of the background cultural information to help us have a, a deeper understanding of this. And as we do that, we read it and then we begin to do what? We begin to reflect. And as we reflect on this, we begin to step back and say, okay, this is Jesus again. He wasn't just speaking to them back then, 2,000 years ago. He's speaking to me. This is for me today. And so, you know, what is God's, is there a command here that God is saying to us? I don't think there is in this context. Is there a promise? Yeah, a promise and maybe more an image of God's love for you, for me, for everyone. They say, how does this give a promise? It's a promise that this is a God who loves me, that I am, I am such valued by God that he would scour the dirt for me that he would celebrate when he finds me, that he loves me. It talks about a restoration of a lost relationship. Now, is there a principle? Yeah, maybe there's a principle because part of what we talk about often is we talk about God's love for us. I mean, that's great. God loves me, but God's love does what? It transforms me. And as God's love transforms me and as it shapes my attitude and my actions, then we begin to say, so God, how are you shaping my attitudes and my actions with your love 
in the way that I would value and love others. So we read and we reflect on this. We ask questions that help us kind of think through and process, you know, what is God saying to me here? But again, we do more than, again, just gather information. We do what? We respond. Because it's great. I can say, God loves me. I'm like that coin. And God scoured the earth. It kind of reminds me of Jesus, God of the universe, coming down to human flesh, living a life for me, dying on the cross, being buried, rising again to life. I can see that imagery there. Great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's great. But we do what? We want to respond to that. We want that to be a part of our lives. So we begin to say, say oh, God, what does this mean for me? What does it mean for me? What does it mean for you right now that the God of the universe scours in the dirt for you? That he values you so much. That he'd give the life of his son for you. And what does it mean for our attitude and our actions? The importance that God places on relationship in restoring broken relationships. The importance that God places on others and how that begins to even say for us, shape our attitude, our actions toward others. Because we're all guilty at times of thinking that this other person, they're not of any value or they're not as valuable as maybe someone else's. So we can see ourselves in the audience of this parable, like the tax collectors and sinners. God values me, yes. But also we can probably see ourselves like the Pharisees and the teachers of Moses' law. Like, yeah, there have been times that I have thought others aren't of such great value. Whether because of what they believe or what they look like or, or what they're able to give to us. We've had those moments when we thought they are not of value. Now, I worked on this sermon several weeks ago because I was going on a trip and I didn't want to come back and have to write a sermon the day that I got back, which was yesterday at 5.20. And so I worked on this, had this all together, and, but I've been thinking about this as I've interacted with different people over the last several weeks. And, you know, God's Word has a way of making you go, hmm, when I thought about somebody, you know, I'm like, you know, I would have thought maybe they didn't have as much value, but this parable reminded me that they are valued by God. And so our response is to say, you know, who are the coins that we don't value enough? Who are the coins that we need to value more? Who are the people that we need to value as God values them? We read, we reflect, we respond, and we request. We bring this to God in prayer. We, we take what we've read and what we've reflected on and, and the response we feel God's Spirit working inside of us, and we bring that into a prayer. And again, does this have to have big, flowery, churchy kind of words? No. Can this just be kind of a gut-wrenching, kind of a blah, kind of all-out-there kind of prayer? Yes. And even if you're stuttering and stammering around, trying to get it all out, we get it out there because this is part of that conversation with God. So let's do that. Let's bring this into a request. Let's bring this into a prayer with God right now. We're going to put this into practice. So I'll lead you through part of it, and you respond. I'll say you respond. Easy enough? Yeah, I can still tell. It's one of those days. All right. So let's pray. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that you 
We think that you love me. That you value me. That you would scour the girth. That you would give your life for me. Help me to see the value that you have in me. And help me to value others with the value you have placed on them. We pray this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. So, you know, as, as we work through this, and this is one reason too often with the sermons, you know, we, we, we put a challenge up there. Because we want you to do more than just hear and gain information. We want to respond to God's word in our lives. So the challenge for us is this. How will I show God's value of humanity to another this week? As you interact with people, as you come across people you know, people you like, people you don't like, maybe so much, strangers, whoever they are, that you see them as valued by who? By God. And that you share with them the value God has placed on their lives. You know, as we wrap up this series, it really doesn't matter which of the three methods or if you have some other method that you use, but just encourage you to, to do that. You know, and I brought a number of things up here. Again, we talk about, you know, Bibles and stuff like that. You may have a Bible. This is my old self-study Bible, so it's got all kinds of extra notes on the bottom here that give those cultural insights that, that are sometimes making you go, oh, ooh, that's interesting. That gives me a better understanding of why Jesus said what he said here. And, and it's got notes and some pages that are worn a little bit thin, but that, you know, you, to use that like that. Or if you're doing the gospel, look, here's just one example real quick, that you grab, you know, a Bible study book like this, because often a Bible study book like this has got questions that help you to read and reflect and respond, and they may have a printed prayer for you, but I encourage you to have your own prayer there as well. And you can also, you know, write that text out, or you get a book like this here. This is Matthew, the evangelist and teacher going through Matthew's gospel. It's a little bit beefier, heavier book to read, but one, again, that you can read through and learn more about some of the metaphors and the imagery that comes in something like Matthew's gospel. And I like books like this here, which is a place, you know, you can just go and bring this along with my Bible, and I can scribe down thoughts. So if I sometimes read that, because we encourage you to do that too, that if you read that, maybe you even put the words of what you read into your own words. What did I hear? So I'm going to paraphrase what I heard. And, and, and see what kind of stands out to me. And I'm going to write down some questions. And if you've got standard questions you ask yourself, that's great. You know, what is God saying to me here? This is what I think God is saying to me here. What am I going to do about that in response to God's word to me here? And you write that out. But then even maybe you can write out that prayer. Because, again, you are incorporating more of yourself into this study than simply just hearing it or reading it. But you're reflecting on it. You're speaking it. You are making it a part of your life. Because, again, we go back to those words, the theme verse that we have for this. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. You see, reading the Bible, studying the Bible is much, much more than simply gaining information. It's much more than just checking a box. It's about God transforming you. God shaping your attitude and your actions with his love and his mercy. So if anything, you walk away from this series. I hope, one, if you haven't engaged God's word a whole lot, kind of like exercise, you know, it's, it's great to have a membership at the gym, but if you don't use it, guess what? Because you're not going to lose weight or gain muscle. So, you know, open that Bible up. 
But often, too, it has, it's good to have a plan that you can put into practice and work with that and change that and begin to see how over the course of time that exercise, you know, helps you shed some pounds, gain some lean muscle. So also over the course of time, God's Word will continue shaping you. Let's pray. Lord God, we give you thanks and praise. Lord, what a great image we have here in this parable of you scouring in the dirt, looking and searching for the lost coin for us to know the value that you place on each and every one of us. Lord, help us to know that we are valued by you, the creator of the universe. Help us to know and share that value with all others. And Holy Spirit, we pray that as we've gone through this series, that you would help us to really be more committed to, connected to your word that we would begin to see the shaping and transformation that can happen in our lives. The Lord, just like some of those exercise commercials, might show a transformation over the course of weeks and, and months so we can begin to see a transformation in our attitude, in our action, in our relationships with those close to us, to those, Lord, that we don't know. That we see ourselves as valued by you, and we value others as you value them. We pray this, Lord Jesus. In your powerful name, amen. For more information about Holy Savior, including service times and location, please visit holysavior.org. Thanks for listening, and until next time, God bless.